Welcome to our final edition of this Moving Through Change series, Habit Creation. My name is Anna Greenwald, and I am the owner and founder here at On The Goga. And I am joined this week by our wonderful community health and promotion coach, Andrew Campbell. Hey, Andrew. Hey, Anna, and hey, everybody uh, out there. Glad you've made time to join us. I know some of you are not working today, you have the day off, so we're super appreciative that you've made time out of your schedules for all that. Let's dive in. Yeah, for sure. So this series has been our first step in our process of figuring out how to bring content to you guys right now in your homes when you need it the most. Three weeks into this series, and I don't even know at this point how many weeks into this quarantine, we're all learning new things about our own experiences, about our jobs, about the world, about our own well-being and what that can look like right now. And the reality is that this is a time of intense and challenging change. And this is for everyone, even though everyone's lives look a little bit different right now. But this series is really just about giving you all, our community, a few simple and practical ways not to need to necessarily shy away from that uncertainty, but to move through it. And because this is for you, we highly, highly encourage participation like you guys have been doing the last few weeks during this workshop. Yeah, for sure. The past couple of weeks, like everyone's insights and comments and working in the chat box has been super incredible to witness. Mm -hmm. Like the conversations are so awesome. That being said, you don't need to have been attending the last couple of weeks. They build on each other, but they're totally independent. So let's start getting into exactly what we're going to need today. So a writing implement, something to write with along with a scratch piece of paper. We highly recommend this for today. You are going to be quizzed. Just kidding. You're not <laughs> It's just helpful. Or a Word document open. Um, it's going to be, again, super helpful for some of the exercises today. If you aren't able to do that and you're just listening, that also totally works. Very good point. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what is a habit you've been noticing since you've been home during this time, past couple yeah. of weeks? Yeah. What's just something that you've been finding? And this could be a habit that you've been doing, a habit that you are have started, or even a habit that hasn't been really working so well for you right now. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. It just said going outside. I, I saw this really, there's a lot of funny memes out there on the internet right now about this. It's like, normally when we can go outside, all we want to do is sit inside and watch Netflix. And now everybody's like, oh, nature. The number of people at parks right now is like, wait, what? Yeah. Yeah. Deborah said taking more breaks during the workday. Absolutely. Yeah. Going for walks with your son. That's Wendy said going for walks with her son. Yeah. Andrew, you've been going on a lot of walks with uh, your dog, well, your dog, yeah. right? My dog. Uh, yesterday when we were doing a workshop, my dog was on the other side of our door whining. And I was like, I'm Aww. sorry, buddy. Like, I can't. <laughs> Just give me like another 30 minutes. Oh, I love that. Jennifer said stopping in the middle of the day to join a guided meditation. Susan said cooking more. I can definitely relate to that. Yeah. And saving money, actually. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Really. We will definitely come back to all of these things because these are right. great examples of habits. Let's jump in. Moving through change. So this week is all about using these habits, like what you guys are talking about, um, and new habits to move through this change. I was listening to a great podcast this morning called Unlocking Us. It's Brene Brown's new podcast. And she talks about how with experience, we learn that the only way around really challenging circumstances is through them. And so Today's all about how to best approach these habits and behaviors in order to move through that change. And 
to do that, let's flash back for a moment to last week when we talked about growth mindset. And again, you didn't have to be here for this. Here's a quick recap of it. Basically, growth mindset is a psychological framework that was popularized by a psychologist named Carol Dweck. And I know Jennifer said that she's reading the book I mentioned last week, Mindset. So if growth mindset's really interesting to you, I highly recommend that book. But essentially, here's how it works. Growth mindset is the opposite of a fixed mindset. A fixed mindset is the belief that our abilities or our habits, right, are fixed. So when we believe that, we're just like, here's who I am and this is, this is it, then we tend to avoid challenges, right? Because we give up easily because we see our effort as fruitless. We're like, well, I'm never going to get better at this, so why even try, right? And we also find ourselves feeling threatened by the success of others when we're in a moment of fixed mindset. This can also look like a lot of comparing ourselves to others, right? And basically what this results in this belief results in success plateaus because essentially we believe we can't improve and so we don't try. A growth mindset, on the other hand, is a simple understanding that abilities or habits can be developed. And so what happens when we understand this and the research shows us that this is true, we embrace challenges. Now, caveat, this does not mean that challenges become easy. It just means that we allow ourselves to be in challenge. And that is what resilience looks like in practice. It's persisting through those obstacles. We see our efforts and our failures at times, right, as a path to mastery or change or adaptation. We can be inspired then by the success of others and supported by the success of others. And essentially what that leads to is achievement or change or adaptation. We practice new behaviors and so we change. Right. And to sum it up, really, like growth mindset is required when developing new habits because you need to know that you can. Right. It's not easy to develop them. But if you have a growth mindset with that, it'll be a little bit easier. And that's what we're going to dive into today. Yeah. And Aja, I think this Aja said, I like the sense of stability for things to be fixed. And if I'm understanding you correctly, it's that feeling of like, oh, I like this idea that I can just know certain things are the way that they are. And absolutely. And that's one of the reasons that growth mindset takes courage because it forces us to break out of that. uh, What's really, you know, a safety net for us. Mm -hmm. But we often find that while sometimes it serves us, a lot of the times the beliefs we have about ourselves are actually preventing us from getting the things that we want. So that's what we're going to talk about today is how to bring this into a practice. So before we do that, uh, or the first step in that really, I should say, is just to take a second, stop, and on your piece of scratch paper or in a little Word document and in the chat, if you're willing, just write down two of what you perceive to be positive traits or characteristics that you have, and then some that are more quote unquote negative or things that you think about yourself and you're like, well, maybe I'd like to change that a little bit. Um, quote unquote negative. Yeah, quote unquote negative. So just to give you some examples, and please go ahead and share them in the chat box. But positive would be maybe the feeling of I'm really athletic. Like if you value being active and you value physical fitness and you prioritize that and you're like, yeah, I, I run a lot or I do yoga a lot, uh, you might write I'm athletic. Whereas you might find that in this 
stage in your life right now, uh, you're feeling a little bit more like a couch potato. And maybe you're like, yeah, there's a lot of things I wish I did, but I just don't quite do them. And I feel a little lazy sometimes. This, it's not an inherent state, but it's just maybe something you want to change about yourself. Another example would be like, maybe you're super duper organized. You're like, I'm really organized. Uh, I have the most incredible to-do list. Negative would be, you know, I get things done, but I save them till the last minute. And Andrew, something we talk about a lot is this idea that sometimes things could really fall on either side, right? right. Like, yeah, I mean, it's kind of almost like the eye of the beholder, right? Like one person's strong-willed might be another person's, uh, like, argue, yeah. Yeah, argumentative. <laughs> Yeah, so it's really something to kind of consider as we're like observing some of these quote unquote positive and negative characteristics. Absolutely. One other great example of that is like those of us who are critical thinkers can often also be overthinkers. So sometimes they're two sides of the same coin. I love some of these examples that are coming up. It just said positive, being compassionate and understanding. And then for a negative, she said stubborn. And I think stubborn is also one of those ones that is really could go either way, right? Like in some ways, stubborn can be negative, but in some ways, stubborn can be strong-willed. Like, yeah, like exactly. you said, positive. Yeah. Caring, um, Sarah said, quick thinker and organized. She also said, uh, don't always take time to think about creative solutions, have trouble giving up control of a situation. And one of the reasons I love um, reading all these is because every time I read one of these, I'm like, oh yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, in some way or another. So whether or not you shared them, write down what you perceive to be two of your positives and two of your negatives, and we will come back to those. In order to talk about habits today, as we often start our workshops here at On The Goga, let's define habit. What do you think a habit is? This could be like a definition, this could be um, a word you associate with a habit, but what do you think of when you think of it? I feel like I just think of an, of an example, like of yeah, what's an habit example? of mine. I would say I lock the door every time I leave. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you yeah. lock the door when you leave your apartment. Oh yeah, these are some great ones. So uh, Anita said something you do automatically without thinking. Um, Susan said something you routinely do. Yeah, Jennifer said something you do so much that it's part of your lizard brain, right? Like you don't mm -hmm. have to think about it. A defined pattern of behavior. Oh my gosh, guys, these are so great. Something you do repetitively, something you do all the time. Deborah gave was tending to think of negative behaviors. Yeah. We often do that, right? We think of bad habits, well, right? I mean, just from the last uh, exercise, like what are two positive and two negative characters? People can right. so quickly be like, oh, well, I'm argumentative and I'm X, Y, or Z. Like, but as soon as you're like, what's your positive? It's like, oh. What is a habit actually? When you look in the dictionary under habit, you get this really easy to digest definition, which is a behavior pattern acquired by frequent repetition that shows itself in regularity of or increased facility of performance. Okay, so basically that just means kind of what you guys have already said. A habit is a behavior pattern that is acquired. So it's something that we're not born with, but that we acquire and we acquire it because we do it all the time. And the more we do it, the better at it we get. It's also defined as an acquired mode of behavior that has become nearly or completely involuntary, which so many of you guys already beautifully stated. It's something you do so much that you barely or literally don't think about it with your conscious mind, mm -hmm. right? It's just so ingrained, you do it without thinking. Interestingly, also, 
A habit is a way of dress characteristic of one's rank, calling, or function, like a habit. Like a nun's habit. Like a nun's habit, yes. And it's funny because, you know, we think of a nun's habit as just what you call a nun's habit, but essentially what it's saying, like, what you wear is a behavior pattern that indicates to someone something about you, who I am, what my profession is, what I value, right? Like, you know, we're from Philly. And if you walk around Philadelphia in a Cowboys jersey, you are indicating to someone something about you that they may or may not like, right? <laughs> um, which is like a funny that I gave that example because I don't really watch sports, but I, I even I know that. Yeah, yeah. you got the example. <laughs> we define habit here as on the GOGA as a behavior repeated over time that becomes so involuntary that we or others come to define it as characteristic. A habit is a behavior that we do so much and that we don't have to think about it. And then we, somewhere along the line, come to define ourselves by that habit, right? We say, I am athletic or I am unathletic. Yeah. I am lazy or I am hardworking. And it right. starts to feel more like a noun than a verb. Right, right. So any questions? Yeah, and Aja said uh, an example is loving soft, comfy things, right? So there's some habits that are like really easy to have, right? right? Like most of us love soft, comfy things because we were children and someone gave us a soft, comfy blanket and we were like, ooh, this feels nice. I like this. So I have a question, Anna. Yeah. What's really, what's really the difference between like a habit and an instinct? Like for me, if I'm just born super funny. <laughs> well, you are, you were born super Aww. funny, Andrew. So. What, a, um, how no, that's, what a compliment was that? <laughs> that's a really good question. Um, and let's break that down. So what, what is the difference? How do we know? Like Andrew was just born super funny. Like, you know, he came out of the womb just cracking jokes, right? No, probably not. Here's how it works. So the difference between an instinct and a habit. First, let's define instinct. The instinct is an aptitude, impulse, or capacity. So it's just something we are inherently able to do. It's inherent in us, whereas a habit is learned. So let's go through some examples. You might have the instinct as a human to breathe, but it's a habit to teach ourselves to breathe slowly and deeply when we're stressed. Eating might be an instinct, right? We're born as humans. Even if we were like left out to our own accord in the woods, we would eat. But a habit is Chewing with your mouth closed. Some of us learn this earlier than others. Another example would be joy, right? We are all born with the human capacity for experiencing joy, but it's habit to practice gratitude throughout the day, right? Mm -hmm. The last one is stress. We all have a stress response as humans, and we're actually going to talk about that uh, in our next Friday series, all about practical mindfulness at home. But as humans, it's really important that we have a stress response because that's what keeps us from danger. So we all have the instinct to respond to stress, but constant worry, fear, or panic over things out of our control, uh, that is ultimately a behavior pattern of thought. Mm. So does anybody have any examples or questions about the difference between instinct and habit? Once you see it laid out, it becomes pretty evident that most of the things that we define ourselves are actually habits. This is kind of where we are uh, gonna move for the next part of the workshop here today. A little guidebook for helping to notice, A, our habits, 
and then start to change or leave behind the habits we have in order to make each day a little bit happier, a little bit healthier. When we're talking about um, differences between instincts uh, and habits, this is like the idea of like, at some point, it, the ideas of like who we are, like I'm lazy, I'm a procrastinator, bad at relationships, are not who we are, but they're more of what we do. And that's, and that's not to say that we have full control over what habits we've developed um, from an early age. You know, a lot of habits that we've had for a long time are due to how we were brought up. But if we identify them as what we do, if we identify them as behavior patterns, then we can begin to change them. That's a really, really good point. So essentially what Andrew's saying is that a lot of these behavior patterns are habits, they're not instincts, but we don't always have control over it, right? Like a lot of these behavior patterns we started adapting when we were like under two years old in response to our environment. So uh, the way that you respond to stress or joy or these habits you have aren't always your choice how they develop, but once you're aware of them, they become your choice and how you want to change or adapt them. Yeah, and that's where, again, like where we're talking about growth mindset from last week, it's the idea that like we embrace these challenges of change and we work towards them. Um, and that's where, again, like we talked about at the beginning, growth mindset is so important when we're trying to foster habits and, you know, better them. Let's get into this. We're going to have you take a look back at those quote unquote negative characteristics that you wrote down. All I want you to do is look at those habits. And Andrew, did you have one that you think of when you think of a, a negative habit or something you just want to change or characteristic? I'm sorry. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, I would say like a negative um, would be that I can tend to be uh, like pessimistic. You know, I feel like that's so relevant right now because it's very easy to feel like a little pessimistic uh, or a lot of pessimistic during this time. So I just feel like that's a really relatable one. Yeah, I mean, you're definitely right that it's like, especially in this environment, uh, it's very easy to kind of like always be looking at these big things that are out of our control and for some reason trying now to get a grasp on them. Next to your negative that you wrote down, like Andrew, maybe you wrote down pessimistic, Jennifer wrote down self-doubting or overthinker. I want you to write down some of your practices that you do? How do you practice this, th these things, right? Because what we've really discovered is that our characteristics are just behavior patterns. So Andrew, for example, if you think that you're pessimistic, right? What are the actual behaviors that you engage in, whether they're thoughts that you have or whether they're actual behaviors that you do that are quote unquote, your practice of this characteristic? Right. I mean, I think a lot of it comes from like this tendency to let these negative or pessimistic thoughts like snowball really, really quickly. And then this inner voice kind of triggers this idea of like, oh, I don't have control over anything. Mm. And it's like, why should I even try? Right. So what you're saying is you're, you're characterizing yourself as pessimistic because what you're doing is focusing on these things that are out of your control and then thinking, I don't have control over anything. And then that triggers the fixed mindset and you're like, why even try? For example, Wendy wrote down, I'm too hard on myself. Like I can definitely say that a practice of being too hard on myself is critiquing things I do and only looking at like the negative comments versus 
you know, I could get a hundred positive pieces of feedback on something that I make and then one piece of negative feedback and I read it like 50,000 times. Oh, yeah. right? Jennifer said, self-doubting, not trusting my own voice and allowing the opinions of others to overly influence me. And again, these that's such a brilliant description of that behavior because self-doubting, right? We might think, yeah, like I don't, I, I kind of doubt myself all the time. What that looks like is the behavior of having this inner voice inside that's like, you know, I know the right answer, I know what to do, and then not trusting it and questioning it, and instead listening to someone else's over yours, even if you feel confident that you know what's best for you. To our point earlier, when it's like, are you strong-willed or argumentative? Like self-doubting is like, sure, you should at some point have like a fair amount of like taking in others' opinions and hearing their voices. But mm -hmm. then there's a line when it becomes just a quote unquote negative self-doubt result. Deborah wrote a really interesting one. She said her negative quote unquote was controlling. And what she wrote a behavior that kind of results out of that is when you, and I can definitely speak to this in, in my life sometimes, you know, when we feel the need to control, when we lose that feeling of control, then we stress eat, right? So it's like trying really hard to manage every single thing in life. And when one thing comes undone, we like find ourselves on the couch eating out of the kind of ice. That's super relatable. I think, you know, we just had a food for thought workshop on Wednesday and so many people brought that up. So these are great. So next to your quote unquote negative characteristics, now you should have some kind of vision of the practices that go along with these. Just to kind of articulate oh yeah, this isn't something I was born with. I didn't come out of the womb doubting my inner voice. I, I didn't come out of the womb trying to overly organize everything in my life. I practiced these things over time. Mm -hmm. So in order to create new habits, the next thing we have to do is identify what we want those habits to be. How do we do this? Next to your quote unquote negative traits, go ahead and write down the positive opposite of one of your negative traits or both of your negative traits. So what does this mean? We'll give you a couple of examples. So if you wrote down, oh, I'm like just so lazy, like I'm just such couch potato, I just so many things I wanna do and I just never do them. Maybe the positive opposite of that would just to be active. And this isn't necessarily athletic, right? Although it could be, but proactivity, right? Instead of thinking, oh, I might as well just not do it. Maybe the opposite of that would be, I'm going to take proactive action towards this. Yeah. Right? If you wrote down that you're argumentative and you're, you'd like to maybe change that, the positive opposite might be, I'd like to be an active listener. Another great one is anxious. The alternative to that would be simply self-compassion, right? It's not never having anxiety, but it's having self-compassion when you're feeling anxious. Mm -hmm. And Jennifer wrote a really good one. Jennifer wrote overthinking being the quote unquote negative one or something she'd like to change or adapt. And her positive op opposite being thoughtfully decisive. I love that one. I do too. Why do you love that one, Andrew? I, don't know. I think it's just like a very, I love a good like succinct two word descriptor. And I feel like that's like so perfect for that. Yeah. I think that thoughtfully decisive doesn't take away the core of being thoughtful, right? Overthinking is sometimes the, you know, where thoughtfulness runs to when it gets a little bit out of control. So it's being thoughtfully decisive. That's right. great. And these don't have to be like super like warm and fuzzy, right? Like 
I'm not gonna say like my positive opposite of me being a pessimist is a super like glass half full optimist guy. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna be more realistic to myself. Um, so if I'm a pessimist, I would say I'd like to just be a little bit more realistic. Jennifer wrote, that's a great one, from self-doubting to reflective. Just instead of automatically doubting yourself, taking a second to look inside and be like, oh, what do I want? What do I think? Right. And what would you say I saw procrastinator jumped in there? A positive opposite of procrastinator. That's a great question, Susan. So if we're the type of person who's like, oh, yeah, like it gets done, but it always gets done at the last minute, <laughs> yeah. you know, we might not uh, put the positive opposite of, you know, keeping a bullet journal every single day of all the different things right. that we want to do, but we might just put planning ahead. And so, yeah, it doesn't have to be this like giant leap. It's just what would you like to be able to say when someone asks you, you know, how do you handle your, your workload? If right now you say I'm a procrastinator and that doesn't feel so great, what would you like to be able to hmm. say? And what would feel right to you? Once you have that written down, so you have your positive opposites, we're going to move into how to actually practice them. So what you want to do is write down two to three ways that you could practice these new positive characteristics or goals. So for example, if you wrote down, um, I want to be more active, then maybe that looks like a practice could be, I'm going to go on a walk. Or maybe that practice is going to be, I'm going to try a new recipe this week, right? If it's more of like the mentally active. Right. So I saw Jennifer wrote down reflective, um, thoughtfully decisive. What would some practices be that you could do that would foster the new habit that you want to achieve? So Andrew, what's a, what's a practice that you could do to feel like you're being more realistic? I feel like a part of it might be a little bit of like, kind of like this zoom out idea, like really take stock of like, what am I, what's causing me to be pessimistic? And then zooming out and being like, is this even able for me to control or am I wasting stress? And, right. if, and if that one thing that is causing me to become pessimistic is out of my control, if I'm waiting on an email to do X, mm -hmm. Y, or Z, I can't force somebody to send an email quicker. So right. it's out of control. Why am I becoming stressed out and negative because of that? And just kind yeah. of do like, yeah. What you're talking about is basically reality checking your expectations. Yeah, yeah. So you're feeling pessimistic and the behavior to feel more realistic, it's just a reality check, right? Like, what do I have control over? What's going to happen if this doesn't get done perfectly, right? Um, yeah, Jennifer, that's a great example. So she wrote, to be more reflective, a practice for that is journaling, right? Yeah. And so that kind of leads us into our next step, which is kind of the half step of writing down your practices. Start small. With Lao Tzu says, the journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. And we've all probably heard that quote, but it really applies to habits, right? A lot of the times we think, all right, I want to feel like I'm cultivating this habit of reflection. And so I'm going to journal, you know, 10 minutes a day, every single day, because I read a study that that's good, right? But then we start to feel like this graph here that's on the screen. For those of you who can't see it, it's essentially a graph where there's this really high bar of expectation, right? Goal number or goal A kind of higher up on the graph and then goal B is lower down on the graph and then there's a curvy line that goes across the whole graph that's our motivation right so if we set the bar really high like I'm going to journal 10 minutes a day every single day or an example from you know what some of us might be feeling right now is like I'm going to practice self-care like some type of time for myself for half an hour every single day 
right? Mm -hmm. Or I'm going to get 10,000 steps a day right now. That might not be an attainable goal. And so it's worth it to start small because willpower is, it's, it's not actually a muscle, right? It's part of our brain, but it acts like a muscle. There's actually a really interesting study kind of in my mind, like a little bit of a cruel study that they did where they basically brought these test subjects into a room filled with the aroma of fresh baked cookies. And these test subjects were people that were trying to be conscious about weight, right? So they pumped the smell of fresh baked cookies into a room for a really long time. And then at the end, they're like, all right, you can leave. And there's two people standing at the exit, one person holding a plate of fresh baked cookies and one person holding a plate of radishes. So the test subject either grabs a cookie or grabs a radish and they think they're leaving, but they actually go into another room and the facilitators of the study say, all right, you're almost ready to go real quick to sit down and do this really hard geometric puzzle. You can leave whenever you want. So what was interesting is they found that the people who chose the radishes instead of the cookies gave up on the puzzle after about eight minutes, whereas the people who chose the cookies didn't give up for 19 minutes. And essentially what the study suggests is that the people who are like, you know what, I'm going to eat the cookie, had that little bit of extra willpower in there to stay and persist through the challenge. Shout out all my cookie people, you know? Yes. And basically what that indicates is that especially when we're put in challenging situations, we're all in right now. It's really okay and not just okay, but necessary to set realistic expectations for ourselves. Yeah, I think that's a really awesome point because like to your point, like in a normal day when you're trying to reset expectations and create new um, habits and everything, we're, we're, we need to look at it in manageable steps. And to your point, Anna, this is a totally different life that we're living in, right? With everything going on in the world. So we need to even add another layer to our expectations and be even more realistic of how we can practice and hone these new habits. What are some small habits, small behaviors, little shifts mm -hmm. that you could do without feeling overwhelmed that would add to a positive feeling, a positive trait or habit that you want to cultivate? So Andrew, you were saying to be more realistic, it's kind of zooming out, putting things into perspective. What's like one practical small habit you could do every day? Looking at like my, my tasks throughout the day and really like taking into account one, like what needs to get done, like a normal day, what needs to get done before this one. And then also like which one is in my control and which one is I'm waiting on an email. So I can't do yeah. this one. And really kind of adding, again, that layer of new expectation, realistic expectations to me looking at my daily tasks. Absolutely. So literally just having a, kind of a filter when you're going through your inbox of like, yeah. I have control over this. I don't have control over this. Yeah. That's it's a like, really great one. Done, yeah. It like needs to be done by noon and is in my control, cool. Needs to be done by the end of the day, out of my control right now. Aja said playing a game on my phone to just kind of like de-stress. I think that's awesome, right? That's so practical. That's yeah. like such a simple way to like create a little moment of joy. I say, Anna, you're playing Sims quite a bit nowadays, aren't you? Oh my gosh, Andrew, you can reveal my deepest <laughs> on the internet. Jennifer said not checking work email in the evening or on a day off. And I think that this is really a great one. And even I would say that 
for some people, it might even not be small enough, right? Because some of us are checking our emails like 10 times a day, even on a Saturday. So maybe it's just like asking yourself if when you're about to go check your work email, if it's going to, if that's going to serve you in that moment. Sarah, this is a great one. Drinking more water, right? Sarah, would you like, what does that come from? What drinking more water? Like what is that? That's like such a great small step that I could, I feel like could be part of so many different great habits. Was there one specifically that you were thinking of? If you want to share that. The one I'm thinking of is just like uh, caring for my physical health. Yeah. I was told to drink a gallon a day as part of a fitness challenge. Right. And that's like a perfect example. So like, that's great. If you can drink a gallon of water a day, like that's amazing, but maybe that's not really realistic for you because you're, you're sitting and it just doesn't, it's not in your normal routine. So maybe it's just drinking more water. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And Sarah said, when you do it, it does wonders for your skin. So (laughs) that's also kind of like a great segue into the last step here, which is celebrating Mm -hmm. our new habits. So again, kind of to bring it all back to this current situation. Normally when Andrew and I do this workshop, we're talking about these habits, you know, in a slightly more, what feels like a more normal context, right? So we're like, you know, I don't, I can't get to the gym on my way back from work or, or these habits that seem a little bit more rudimentary day to day. But in this moment, we're being thrust into these situations where sometimes even the habits that did work for us no longer give us what we need or they're no longer possible to practice. Right. Those like, I'm just going to jump in real quick. Like that, those like small steps that we were practicing need to get even smaller. Yeah. Or they need to be adjusted altogether. Right. Like, uh, you know, I think somebody earlier in the series was saying that they needed to readjust like their wedding. Right. I don't remember if that was this one or if it was a Wednesday session, but you know, they had to basically readjust their expectations around their wedding. Right. Right. And so that's a big thing to need to change your thought patterns around. Um, and that's where this practice becomes so much more important. A identifying what the behavior patterns are that we want to be achieving and then celebrating when we do them. Yeah. So when we're expecting this perfect result, right? Like maybe we're home right now. And does anybody out there have a re- an unrealistic expectation that they've expected of themselves since this whole quarantine has started? Um, we've heard some really interesting ones in the last few weeks. Like, you know, someone was saying, oh, I'm going to like get super fit during this time. And now I just feel like I can barely get off the couch. Thanks. Yeah. Like painting every day. Wow. I love it. Yeah. Jessica said like this expectation of not getting upset with your children. That's such an important one to point out. Right. Because the, when we, when we expect this certain result, and yet we're thrust into a situation where we're beginners, mm-hmm. we're going to fail sometimes. Yeah. And if we're expecting perfection, we're going to focus on those failures. So it's super important to celebrate the small victories. Well, this especially is- when we're looking at that, like, that example of like, don't get upset with your kids. I 100% approve of that goal. Yes. Like, even on a good day, even on a normal world where they're going off to school or doing their normal stuff, that's still difficult to not get upset yeah. with nevertheless when they're in your house all the time right absolutely and when everybody's under stress and change right so all i want you guys to do for this last one is just whatever the thing is you said you wanted to do more 
What's an example of how you've done that recently in your life? Like what's an example of some awesome little victory, even if you did it once that you've achieved in the last week, month that embodies this place that you want to get to. So Andrew, like you were saying that you did this this morning when you were looking through your emails, you, you were looking at them and mm-hmm. saying, I have control over this. I don't have control over that. Like, that's awesome. Jen said, I'm not journaling, but every day when I take a walk, I send some photos with some reflective comments to the same three-person group of loved ones. That is amazing. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's journaling in 2020 right there. <laughs> that <laughs> is journaling. Absolutely. And I think that's the other really important part about taking time to celebrate is noticing that in many ways, we are already doing these things. Mm-hmm. So the other funny thing about habit is that once we've come to define something as characteristic about ourselves, we have the bias towards it, right? So we'll think, well, our brains will have no problem noticing when we don't work out. But when we do work out, it's like, yeah, but that was one time, right? right. And so we don't give ourselves credit for that. And that's a great example. Jen said, I'm not journaling. I am you know, sending wonderful messages. Of That's the another like great example of like shifting your perspective on like, what is the expectation? Like, what's the end goal to journal? Like, really? I mean, I would say that that is journaling. I always like to say, if it seems so small, it almost seems like it's not worth doing. It's probably the perfect thing to do. For me, it's sitting by a window because we're not outside. And so just rearranging my space, I was lucky enough to be able to rearrange my space to be near a window. That's been a really big one for me. Um, And that kind of brings us to like our final quote of this whole series, which I think really brings it together. The little things, the little moments, they aren't little. 